This is the Adam Crowley Show. To pick against the Steelers is a sin. It's a sin that's written in the Bible. Stop you understand? Oh! On ESPN Pittsburgh <laughs> and the iHeartRadio app. The AFC ain't going to win the Pro Bowl this year because it's a circus. The locker room is a circus. Juju Smith-Schuster showed up late for practice yesterday, and now the team can't function. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter, at FBomber73, at ButtonPusher970. And please, tell your kids, tell your wife, tell your Uber driver, we're doing radio up in here. Mark Madden's going on an anti-Juju Smith tirade. Paul Zeiss is equating what Juju Smith-Schuster did at the Pro Bowl in Orlando to what's going on with Antonio Brown and within the Steelers' circus of a locker room. You've got Andrew Filipponi talking about how it's important, how you have to pay attention to what's going on with Juju Smith-Schuster in Orlando. Guys, just because Antonio Brown is a douchebag diva does not mean that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to turn into that guy. They're different people. Juju is not Antonio Brown. Did Juju miss a single Steelers practice this year? Did we ever hear of a time when he didn't show up for a meeting? Have we heard him ever throw a teammate under the bus? Has he ever outwardly complained? Did he throw a ball at the quarterback? Did he park in a handicapped spot? Did he show up late for Children's Hospital meet and greet? How about throw things off of a 14th-story balcony? He didn't do any of those things, did he? Juju Smith-Schuster is a young man with means, a young man who is getting a lot of attention, a young man who grew up in a nine-person house, and he's having a good time being on his own, being free, being a star. He's not the same kind of guy as Antonio Brown. A.B.'s always been incredibly talented. He was from the Miami area, but he went to college at Central Michigan University. Why? Something was up. He had to earn the scholarship. He had to try out. A.B., despite having a ridiculously productive college career, despite now, we know, being one of the top ten greatest receivers, I think top five of all time, he went in the sixth round in the NFL draft. Why? Something was up. Juju was the youngest player in the draft two years ago and was picked up in the second round. He was looked at as a mature kid, someone mature enough to come into the NFL with a bunch of grown-ass men when he's 20 years old. Madden and Zeiss and others, they keep saying that all the things that were said about A.B., all the things A.B. did, Juju's doing now. All the things that were said about A.B. are being said about Juju now. I disagree. If you're going to be cynical of Juju, you're going to miss a really good career waiting around for this guy to F up. There's a difference between being young and exuberant and enjoying life and being a selfish douche that's no good for the team. But here's the rub. 
Madden doesn't know what Young looks like in 2019. He can't relate. I like Mark. I held a goat downstairs in Sean McDowell's office moments before Mark did. We had a pleasant conversation. He's a cool dude. I don't think he can relate to a 22-year-old African-American athlete. And that's not me saying Mark's racist, because, my God, that's not the case at all. What I am saying is that Mark is midlife crisis white guy. Maybe a little bit beyond the midlife White guy, old white guy is what Mark Madden is. How is he supposed to have the definitive opinion on a young man from a different culture? Paul Zeiss has a son who plays football, right? A young son. But he seems out of touch with the way that the rest of young people are being raised in this country. Social media comes into play now in 2019. Listen carefully. This is going to surprise some of you. Just because a player is all over social media, this is really going to hit you over the head with this one, it doesn't mean he's going to be a bad guy. It means he was born in 1996. Why in the world are we taking Mark Madden's opinion on a guy who was born in 1996? He's a young man. Young men behave differently now than they did when Mark Madden was a young man. If social media existed back then, it would have been the same. But social media exists now. So things are different for young people. That's the way Juju Smith-Schuster grew up. With technology. With everybody filming everything. Uh, Think about all the things you see on social media these days. Birth announcements. People come out of the closet. They film themselves. How about gender reveals? People get baseballs and they smack pinatas and blue powder comes out so they can reveal to everyone what the gender is. You know how they did it back in Mark's day? The baby popped out and you found out what the genitalia was. Things are different. You have to understand that. You've got to be able to adjust with the times. Your opinions need to be able to do so as well. Juju Smith-Schuster was born in 1996. I was born in 1990. I'm a little bit closer to understanding where Juju Smith is coming from than where Mark Madden is. My sister was born in 1996. My sister puts everything on social media. I do because of the job. I do it less than a lot of other people. But I do it because this is the generation that I was raised in. People... Juju Smith-Schuster's age, they put everything on social media. There are statuses on Facebook for you to tell people how you're doing that day. People put their lives on Instagram so they can tell people how freaking happy they are every, every waking second. That's society. Tom sends me Snapchats all day. From the moment he wakes up until the moment he goes to bed, I know what Tom's up to. Tom's taking a dump in the morning. You know what he puts out there? Song of the day. I know what song Tom's listening to when he drops a deuce. Is Tom a look at me guy? No. Tom's young. That's all it is. Is Juju a look at me guy? Yeah, a little bit. But a lot of 22-year-olds who are famous may swim in it just a little bit. Imagine growing up in a household with everybody that's your relative. All your relatives all packaged into one tiny little house. You're probably not going to get the attention that you want to. Probably not going to get the attention that someone deserves. 
My father was the youngest of six, and yeah, he's always trying to get attention, right? Uh, my mother was the youngest of four. You're trying to get attention. Imagine being around with nine different people. You're trying to get attention, and you get as much as you can, but it's hard. So now Juju Smith-Schuster is a superstar. He's one of the best receivers in football. He plays for a preeminent franchise. He's got personality, and he's using that personality to get a little bit of attention. I'm sorry, I don't see a problem there. Again, a lot of 22-year-olds live on social media. Most 22-year-olds, not superstars in the NFL. But I keep hearing A.B. and Juju, they're the same. A.B. and Juju, everything Juju's doing now is how A.B. started. No, it's not. What did A.B. do when he tweeted? When he Instagrammed when he was younger? Workout vids. Food regimen. Workout vids. Food regimen. Workout vids. Food regimen. It was all about me, me, me. But Juju's filming himself interacting with fans who adore him, by the way. 19 jerseys all over this city because young people in this town get what Juju Smith-Schuster's all about. Juju Smith-Schuster's filming himself dropping off toys to stuff a bus. He's going to Meals on Wheels. He's going to Children's Hospital. AB's most famous use of social media was filming the locker room after the Steelers beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Juju's use of social media is sophisticated. It's thought out. He lost his bike, so what's he do? He wants the city to help. He interacts with his fans. I have friends, two of them, Pete and Amanda, good people, went to high school with them, who met Juju Smith-Schuster through his dog's social media account. He invited him over for the dog's birthday. My friends went to Juju Smith-Schuster's dog's birthday party, and they said he couldn't have been a nicer guy. They were the only two people there that weren't family. And they were strangers that Juju Smith-Schuster met through social media. He posts good things about his teammates. He posts how he wants to work harder. Juju's sophisticated. Juju's bright. Juju's got this city, me included, eating out of the palm of his hand. He's smarter than Antonio Brown, which means I don't think you're ever going to see him off the rails. I don't think he's going to pop off on social media. He uses social media like a lot of people his age, but he's not an idiot about it the way that Antonio Brown is. His teammates love him. Hell, he cost them the Saints game. If you want to boil it down to a play and you want to remove the refs from the equation, he cost him the Saints game. He fumbled on the final drive. They were going to score. And they still voted him team MVP. That tells me something. Juju's a self-promoter, sure, but Juju cares about the team winning. Juju cares about the team losing. Antonio Brown's a self-promoter who cares about his stat line. Juju is smart enough to handle himself better than Brown on social media. He's smart enough to not follow in his footsteps off the field either. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. What happens in media is... People who are in positions to sway opinion, they've been at these positions for a long time, particularly here in Pittsburgh. Radio guys are old, columnists are old, you don't find a lot of young people breaking into the market, and what you get is crusty old opinions. Juju Smith-Schuster is 22 years old. Juju Smith-Schuster is 22 years old getting attention 
for the first time in his life. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to put some of that attention on social media, use social media to garner some attention. But Juju Smith-Schuster hasn't done anything wrong with his social media. All we've got to criticize Juju Smith-Schuster on is being late for a Pro Bowl practice. That's it. That's all you've got for Juju Smith-Schuster. That's the only thing you can say about him that's negative, apart from, yes, fumbling in the Saints game, but that's going to happen. Ben Roethlisberger's thrown picks. Antonio Brown stepped out of bounds on the game's final play against Miami a couple of years ago, and it kept him out of the playoffs. Players make mistakes. But the -the off-the-field stuff, Juju has yet to make a mistake. I don't count this. This is not one for me. Being 30 minutes late to a Pro Bowl practice, Dale Lawley's going to join us at 5 from Orlando. He says there's a live DJ there playing the entirety of practice. It's a party. It is not a practice. They're not going over schemes. There's not insane X's and O's. You're not even allowed to blitz. You can't even blitz in this game. Juju Smith-Schuster is not trying to pick up hot routes. They're going to tell him in the huddle, hey, man, run a fly. Hey, man, run a cross. Hey, man, run a fade. It's not like he missed a practice before a must-win game against the Bengals. It's not like he skipped an MRI that he was asked to get. It's not like he threw things off a balcony at a child. It's not like he was driving 100 miles an hour on McRight and McKnight Road. What you're doing if you criticize Juju Smith-Schuster is criticizing Juju Smith-Schuster because you're bored of criticizing Antonio Brown. You're still going to criticize Antonio Brown, but you're bored and you need a new target, so you're going to go after Juju. Juju is paying for the sins of Antonio Brown. Juju Smith-Schuster is being vilified because his predecessor, because the best receiver on the team coming into this year, is a diva douchebag. Juju Smith-Schuster has done nothing wrong but be associated with the franchise that that diva wide receiver has been associated with. That's it. In some, old folks are raking him over the coals. Mark Madden is too old to understand what a 22-year-old black kid's going to do. He's removed culturally. He's removed from the age group. He doesn't get it. Juju Smith-Schuster lives on social media because people live on social media in 2019 when they were born in 1996. Juju Smith-Schuster's not a bad guy because Antonio Brown is. 412-922-2874. The Steelers are not the only circus in the AFC North. Wait until you hear what's going on with the Cleveland Browns. We'll get back into Juju and AB later. But Seth Wickersham detailed a story for ESPN about the Brownies. He joins us next. It's a Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Making my way downtown. Walking fast. Faces passing. I'm homebound. Should I go lower? Staring blankly ahead. Just making my way. Making a way through the crowd. On ESPN Pittsburgh. So while the crusty old Pittsburgh media 
wants to debate whether Juju Smith-Schuster showing up 30 minutes late for the Pro Bowl means anything. There's some real dysfunction that's been going on in Cleveland for a while. Seth Wickersham detailed it all for ESPN. He joins us now on the program. And Seth, thank you very much for coming on the program today. My pleasure. Good to be with you guys. Seth, Jimmy Haslam hired Hugh Jackson despite his own football people telling him it wasn't a good idea? Correct. Whoops. <laughs> well, you know, I think that, like, it's part of the, the, the long-term issues there. It's just that, you know, I think that people don't know how Jimmy will feel about, um, you, you know, these regimes that he installs when things go bad. And what he often ends up doing is sort of setting up these shotgun marriages and then serving as the tiebreaker. And it just ends up fostering a bunch of distrust and dysfunction and fighting and politicking. And, you know, that happens at a lot of places. But what made it interesting to me was that, as you guys know, the last half of the season, I mean, Baker Mayfield came on and he was a force in waiting, a brilliant young quarterback. And, Continuity matters for quarterbacks. You know, it's one of the big factors in whether they succeed or not. And I saw those two forces colliding where you have this, like, precocious young player who might be a true franchise quarterback for the first time since Bernie Kosar with this history of the Haslam's where they, they blow things up after committing to regimes every 18 months or two years. Boy, it does look like he could be the guy to pull them out of this abyss and you almost don't want to see, well, I'll speak for myself uh, being here in Pittsburgh, you, you almost don't want to see management like that get rewarded whenever they're clearly floundering, uh, and yet they stumble upon this guy, and he winds up saving their bacon a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's a big deal. And again, you know, is this going to be red right 88, the drive, the fumble, the shot, and Baker Mayfield. And, you know, <laughs> nobody knows that. But I think the thing is, is that, like, we'll see going forward. Um, you know, there's two ways that this could go badly, aside from an injury. It could go badly, and it turns out that Freddie Kitchens is not as good of a coach as people hope that he will be. Or it could happen where, you know, management falls in love with the quarterback. And you saw that happen in, um, in Washington a couple years ago, where Dan Snyder loved RG3, and it ended up, you know, undermining the entire organization. And so those are the things that I'm wondering, you know, what, what will happen. But in the meantime, I was fascinated with going back and trying to look at, you know, what's it like to work there? What's it like to work for Jimmy Haslam? How are decisions made? And, um, you know, see, you know, what, what I found. Well, it sounds like a lot of Groundhog Day where uh, Jimmy Haslam will continue to get up in front of the assembled Browns organization, and he will say the same things, firing after firing. And I, I would find it difficult to have faith in a guy when he says, we're going to make the right hire, and then the next time he says, we're going to make the right hire, and the next time he says, we're going to make the right hire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no doubt. Is Seth Wickersham joining us from ESPN, is the... Easiest way ever now to describe Hugh Jackson is as the guy who was fired and then kicked the guy who was firing him out of the office that was no longer his? Yeah, well, you know, so I think that Hugh felt like that, again, you know, Jimmy Haslam decides to hire Hugh Jackson alone. So it's, again, it's a shotgun marriage with Sashi Brown and Hugh Jackson. And they're both just battling 
trying to be the last person to get to Jimmy before he makes these big decisions. So then Sashi's fired. John Dorsey is hired. People around the league tell Jimmy, hey, you should just fire Hugh right now, start over. He doesn't, of course. And then this season takes over. It's a mess. You know, there's obviously public and private fighting between Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley over the, the direction of the offense. And I think that Hugh felt he was going to be with the team for a while. And, you know, that's how everybody feels. They always feel like that Jimmy is committed to them until he, they realize that he's not. And so they lose to the Steelers. And Jimmy and John Dorsey enter Hugh Jackson's office and tell him they're going to go in a different direction. And Hugh asks why. And John Dorsey tells him that the team had quit on him. And I was told that really offended Hugh because – Again, you know, four of the Browns' eight games had gone to overtime, so they had been close. And um, that's when Hugh said to, he told them to get the F out of his office. Seth Wickersham joining us from ESPN here on the Crowley Show. Uh, I've never understood why any regime in any sport would fire the general manager, keep the coach, keep the coach, fire the general manager. I, I feel like you need to have those two in lockstep. You've got to have them in tandem because yeah. if you don't, I mean, you're begging for this kind of thing to happen. Yeah, that's exactly what, you know, look, they have to be in the same boat because it's been pretty obvious that when the brown boat is, is sinking, people will start throwing water. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, that that is a recipe for disaster, and people have told him that, and that's one of the interesting things about this current hire. It's just that not only was it clearly a John Dorsey hire, but John Dorsey was very clear that Freddie Kitchens reports to him. And so, in theory, that is going to eliminate the appeals court, and it's going to force them to, you know, be a team because their, their lot is cast together. You described Haslam as accessible yet problematic. So is he too chummy with people in the organization then? Well, I think one of his, his strengths and maybe a weakness is that he's very accessible and he likes talking to people and he likes hearing the truth from people and he likes you know going into far corners of the building to do that and um you, you know I think eventually he'll start to ask some pointed questions that end up pitting people against each other and I think that causes a lot of mistrust. I didn't come away from the story Seth thinking Oh, Jimmy Haslam's this this bad guy who's this overarching, needs to be a control freak. I really didn't feel that. I felt like what you just said. He's so curious about the process that then he finds himself butting in that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously he, he sets up structures that inserts himself in the middle of it, and I think that has been a big problem. Seth Wickersham joining us here on the Crowley Show. Got to ask this question: How the hell did porn get broadcast on the wall of the Browns team facility? <laughs> well, the marketing team set up a. There's a big blank wall in their building, and they set up a social media feed because they wanted uh, employees to know how team, how fans were interacting with the with the team on on social media. And so, you know, they'd enter various search terms, and at one point they entered DP for dog pound, and unfortunately it ended up bringing up a lot of different connotations for that particular hashtag. And, yeah, it took about 20 minutes for them to get it down. I feel like it's a terrible idea even before the porn thing because you don't want you don't want what fans are saying to get onto the walls uh, at the Browns facility. You don't want people having to be in there. You already hear enough noise on the outside. You don't want to invite that noise onto the inside. Well, they invited it, and then they end up inviting <laughs> a lot more. 
Uh, Hugh Jackson is coach. Uh, Dorsey is GM. I, I also felt bad uh, for Farmer because uh, he comes in. He's told, okay, you're going to be able to do your thing. And he winds up not being able to draft his guy. Instead, he has to draft Justin Gilbert. He has to get Johnny Manziel. Uh, so the first two big picks he gets to make, he didn't get to make uh, either of those. Uh, do you think, I guess, the, it boils down to, do you think Jimmy Haslam is going to change his ways? I don't know. You know, time will tell. But, again, you know, there's a little bit of reason for promise, given that this is clearly, you know, John Dorsey, however it's happened, seems to have wrestled control of this team. And, I mean, it was his decision to pick Baker Mayfield. It was, you know, he wasn't alone in that. I mean, a lot of people were in favor of him. But it was his decision to hire Freddie Kitchens also. That was his guy. And so their fates are tied together. And that's a different dynamic than what's ever been in that building. Seth, really, Jimmy Haslam. really appreciate the time, man. Thanks a lot for carving some of it out for us today. Great to talk to you guys. Thank you. Take care. That is Seth Wickersham, ESPN. Uh, you can check out the story on his Twitter account. It's all over the place, Front page ESPN.com. It's a disaster. And Baker Mayfield, he can change it. He can. Uh, I like Baker Mayfield. This is sports radio coming up right here, baby. I like Baker Mayfield more than a lot of people like Baker Mayfield coming out. A lot of people called him Johnny Manziel 2.0. I didn't see that. Now, maybe it's because I'm a Big 12 fanboy, but I watched almost all of Baker Mayfield's games in college, and I thought, this guy's got the moxie, this guy's got all the athletic ability, this guy's got the arm strength, but it's what he's got in his skull that I think is going to make him a great quarterback in the National Football League. And dysfunction goes away, for the most part. Steele's got a great quarterback, but the dysfunction goes away for the most part if you can get that quarterback in there, you can win some football games. And then all of a sudden, if you're winning football games, you don't have to fire the general manager. You don't have to fire the coach. But some of the things that were happening under Jimmy Haslam the last couple of years are, are just ridiculous. I mentioned one there. Farmer's brought in his GM. He's told, okay, you've got all the time in the world. And you can do whatever you want. You've got autonomy. And his first draft... He does not want to draft Justin Gilbert, the cornerback who's already flamed out of the league. Former Steeler, too. He didn't want to draft that guy, but Mike Pettin, the coach, said, oh, I want him. So what's he do? He drafts him. He didn't want Johnny Manziel, but yet the owner, Jimmy Haslam, in there for the draft says, that's a guy. That's a guy right there. They didn't want to hire Hugh Jackson. The football people, the football people. The people who know about the game in Cleveland didn't want to hire Hugh Jackson. But Jimmy Haslam did it anyway. That is dysfunction. And that is not what you have with the Pittsburgh Steelers. There is a difference between a couple of bad apples and when the culture sucks from the top down. We'll get into that next. Plus, AB tweets again. It's a Crowley show. He's a trigger warning waiting to happen. This is the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown tweets. The blonde mustache has surfaced. And he said... Open forbiddenness. I, I don't know what he means. He's a troll. God, I hate him. 
I love him because what he brings to this industry. But I hate him because he's a troll. People are going to hate me for saying this. But guys, AB's winning. Yes. I'm sorry. He is. He's an idiot. He He's definitely that. But the dude is winning because bottom line, in the end, he'll play somewhere. He'll keep getting paid. He'll do his thing. And AB will roll on. And right now he's just trolling the world with these cryptic tweets. And feeding into them is just, it's kind of fun. <laughs> it is. And this is as bad as it's going to get for AB is the public pressure he's under right now, the scrutiny he's under right now. In Pittsburgh, he's getting raked over the coals. Nationally, to an extent, he's getting raked over the coals. People are looking at him like he's an ignoramus. But like you said, he will play on an NFL team next year, whether it's the Steelers or another squad. I'm leaning towards another squad, but he'll be playing in the NFL, catching footballs, and he'll have a hell of a season because he's a hell of a player. And one day he's going to have a plaque in Cooperstown, and he'll be counting that money to the bank. A.B. is winning. But I'm wondering, it, that's where I'm putting the new NFL Hall of Fame. We, Cooperstown. Yeah, we tore down the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame yesterday. <laughs> so I've decided that Antonio Brown's going to Cooperstown because I just, that's... I just thought you meant he was going to be so good at football that they're going to put him in all the Hall of Fames. Hey, you never know. One day the beat writers might vote him into <laughs> Cooperstown just to prove some kind of weird point, you know? I'm pretty sure Ed Bouchette, who hasn't covered baseball in 40 years, still is allowed to vote for the Hall of Fame. And if that's the case for the for the Baseball Hall of Fame, and if that's the case, then yes, A.B. very well might accidentally wind up in Cooperstown. When A.B. says he's open for business, yes, he is sticking a pole into the pot and stirring it. But I also think there's a possibility, a possibility, you gotta, you have to explore all the angles here, that he is responding to Marquise Pouncey's extension of an olive branch. Because that's kind of what Pouncey did yesterday. I think it was more to downplay everything. But Pouncey's like, yeah, we could have a back, sure, why not? And well, AB's like, business is open, baby, open for business, business is booming. Well, digging into AB, you must define words that AB used. So business being a key point of this entire cryptic phrase here. And, and it all determines what A-B means by business. Now, all of us other humans, we know what business means. We understand what it means. But in A-B logic, it, business could mean a multitude of things. Business could be good. Business could be bad. It, open might be, hey, is a business punch to the face if you come ask me if I'm going to come back? I don't know. But business is a thing, and it's there in the tweet. There is a Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> there is an Antonio Brown Dictionary. <laughs> But there's also this, Brian. He's no longer following the 49ers on Instagram. Mm. I know. Now, okay. Now, since we're getting deep on the uh -huh. things, is that a, look, I'm not following the Steelers because I'm throwing you off the, or I'm not following the 49ers because I'm throwing you off the trail. Like, look at me. I'm taking <laughs> you this way. And you think now, oh, they're not, he's not following them, so they must, he must not be going there. But he's trolling you. He's going to come back and follow the day he signs. If Antonio Brown is out on the Niners now and back on the Steelers because of the Marquise Bouncy Olive Branch, then he's even more immature than we thought because he was just waiting for somebody to get in touch with him through whatever medium to extend that Olive Branch before he would come back and say, okay, all right, we'll figure this thing out. He was waiting to get back in touch with the Steelers after he heard someone say something good about him. Tell me I'm wanted. Exactly.
You know what, Mark Madden? The Steelers need more jujus and less ABs. More jujus, less AB. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The Browns, well, the football side of things there is getting a little bit better, but it hasn't been good, and the dysfunction, it it seems to start at the top, does it not? Uh, it is with Jimmy Haslam. Read the Seth Wickersham story. He joined us in the last segment talking about how Jimmy Haslam is not necessarily listening to football people weighing in on things that owners probably shouldn't weigh in on, pitting different parts of the organization against other parts of the organization, maybe even without meaning to, but asking guys about their bosses because he's curious, and it just winds up creating this toxic environment. He hired Hugh Jackson, even though a bunch of football people said, Hugh Jackson's not the way to go. They were trying to lose for four years. That was their plan. They were going to lose for four years, and they were going to use some analytics, and they were going to use the analytics, collect draft picks, and get better over the course of time. And they didn't think Hugh Jackson was the guy that was right for the job. And Jimmy Haslam said, I'm going to go hire him. And he did. Now Jimmy Haslam has had to fire Hugh Jackson because Hugh Jackson sucked at his job. This, to me, is what a real circus looks like. A real culture problem from the top down. How many times have we talked over the last couple of weeks about the Steelers' culture and the problems in wit, inside of it? Uh, We've talked a bunch about that. Yes? Yes. Antonio Brown, to me, is toxic. Le'Veon Bell, to me, is toxic. They rubbed off on the Martavis Bryant of the world. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt came in, and maybe he's the first guy that tainted Le'Veon Bell, but the Steelers, they said, oh, we don't want you in our culture, so they kicked LeGarrette Blunt out, but Le'Veon Bell had already been infected. The Steelers, to me, have a culture problem, but a problem that was started with the players. The Browns have a culture problem from the top. The Browns have a culture problem in that the owner's always going to be there. Jimmy Haslam, he ain't saying goodbye. Jimmy Haslam bought this football team so that this football team can be Jimmy Haslam's damn football team. He ain't going to turn around and sell it. He's now got his quarterback. So as long as Jimmy Haslam's there and this story's out there and we know everything, all the nuts and bolts, all the meat that's within the story, they're going to be a football franchise that's high beta. That they can win with Baker Mayfield, but if things start to go south, if Baker gets hurt, if Baker doesn't perform up to expectations, things could change in a hurry. If the Browns have one year that does not live up to the expectations that Baker Mayfield is now going to bring with him, then this whole carousel can be started up again. I don't want to use the Browns to defend the Steelers. That's not what I'm doing here. In fact, I think that's a weak sauce move. But I think it is fair to say there are different types of dysfunction. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have Jalen Ramsey, he's running his mouth. They have Leonard Fournette, he's doing his thing. But from the top on down, is it a toxic culture? No, because they've got Tom Coughlin there. Tom Coughlin is the guy you bring in to snuff out bad culture. Tom Coughlin is the guy that smacks you across the face if you're not 10 minutes early for your team meetings. So their culture is not bad overall, but a couple of players, well, they brought distractions into that locker room. 
That's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, it's never a good thing if you're being compared to the Jaguars. It's never a good thing if you are in a conversation about dysfunction and you're being named alongside the Cleveland Browns, but there are varying levels. If a crew on a ship sucks, you fire a couple of guys in a crew, you bring in some good people, and if the captain's good enough, you turn the thing around. But if the captain sucks and the captain's allowed to remain there, you can bring in a lot of good people, but the ship still might hit the iceberg. Crowley analogy. Jimmy Haslam is the guy who's steering this ship, and he's going to be there. That, to me, is a culture problem. That, to me, is an extended culture problem. What the Steelers have, I think, I really believe this, and I might be on an island in Pittsburgh, what the Steelers believe, what I believe, is that they can get rid of an Antonio Brown, they can get rid of a Le'Veon Bell, they can cut a few bad apples, they can get rid of a Joey Porter, guys like that, and they can get back to what the Pittsburgh Steelers are all about. Why? Because Art Rooney II is named Art Rooney II. Because their head coach won a Super Bowl before Antonio Brown, and they expect him to be able to win a Super Bowl after Antonio Brown. They trust the people that they put in there. Kevin Colbert has drafted Hall of Famers. Now, one of them is going to be shipped out the door, but Kevin Colbert's drafted Hall of Famers. Mike Tomlin has coached Hall of Famers. These guys are the culture of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you might have a couple of years where things don't quite feel right, but I think the Steelers are always going to bounce back. I think the Steelers are always going to become the Pittsburgh Steelers because their philosophy has been proven to work over time. Continuity works if you hire the right people. Art Rooney II, Dan Rooney, the Chief, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin, each of those coaches has won Super Bowls. Each of those coaches have dealt with periods of turmoil. But they always bounce back. Mike Tomlin's going to bounce back because the Steelers bounce back. The Browns, as much as I like the direction that they're going in with the quarterback, as much as I like the talent that they've assembled, if they hit a speed bump, they're done. The Pittsburgh Steelers hit a speed bump this year, didn't even have a losing season. Now, did they come close to the expectations? No. Have I write them over the coals for it? Yes. 13-3 and last year didn't live up to the expectations. But that's the difference in culture, where the Steelers expect to win, and the Steelers will use their continuity and ride that continuity to eventually winning. The Browns, they've got... Their ownership group, Jimmy Haslam coming in, from the Steelers, who says he believes in continuity, but doesn't. Hasn't. And so I think that they will eventually revert back. They're like a gum band. You could pull on one side for long enough, but eventually you're going to let go. The thing's going to shoot across the room. Uh, It's just not going to work in Cleveland if they continue to make the same mistakes. And if he's there, and he will be, they will, I promise you, make the same mistakes. 412-922-2874. 412-922-2874. Tweet me, at underscore Adam Crowley. Art Rooney II spoke yesterday, a Steelers Nation Unite call. Said a lot of the same stuff he's been saying, but he did break a little bit of news, saying the Steelers have started contract talks with Ben Roethlisberger. Mom on Tomlin, though. Mom on Tomlin. 
But like I just said, he'll be there. This might be a little kick in the rear end for Mike Tomlin. Just, hey, let's get this thing back going the way we're used to. But therein lies the difference a little bit between the Browns and the Steelers, yes? Is that Jimmy Haslam goes, you suck, you're gone. You suck, get out of here. You suck, you're fired. And Mike Tomlin is still around, even though this year sucked by Steelers standards. And Art Rooney II is going to find a way to motivate him. That's the difference in the two franchises. And I put that ever so eloquently. Thank you very much. I wrote a blog today, ESPNPGH.com. It was satire. Uh, People either loved it or they didn't get it. But if you got it, I mean, you loved it. I like the people who didn't get it. Me too. They make me laugh. Later on in the show, we will read some Facebook comments of people who didn't get it. (laughs) And I'm reading their full names because they deserve to be called the stupid idiots that they are. Yep. Coming up next, Juju skipped the 30 minutes of the Pro Bowl practice. Oh, my God. What are we going to do, Crowley? What's going to happen? Well, Dale Lolly's there. I want to know if it's a big deal at all in Orlando. (laughs) Crowley Show.